0: Let me invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 8, excuse me, John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. John chapter 1, that is after Matthew, Mark, and Luke. John chapter 1, we'll be reading verses 1 through 18 this morning. We are beginning a new sermon series, as I mentioned earlier, and we are looking at uh, the most important question, the most important question you could ever ask in your life. The question that if you grasp the answer of it will radically change not just your life here, but your eternity. What is that question? That question is, who is Jesus? All fall semester we will be looking at this central question and it is also this central question that the church and the world needs most today. We need to know who our King is, who our God is, who our Savior is. John chapter 1, we'll read verses 1 all the way through 18. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There's a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we are more sinful than we could dare imagine. And even the sin that we see in our own hearts is the tip of the iceberg. We are not worthy to hear of the worthy one. But Father, one of the best things for us is to be humbled at the sense of seeing the glory of Christ, he who is eternal God and who took on flesh. Father, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through the word proclaimed, would you create faith in us? Would you meet us where we are, whether we are dead in our sins or whether we are Struggling along the path, trying to walk to the celestial city, help us to see Christ and to believe. May he be glorified. We ask all of this in his great and glorious name. Amen. In the beginning of the very famous Harry Potter books, I've come to bring Harry to his aunt and uncle. They're the only family he has left now. Professor McGonagall says, you don't mean, you can't mean the people who live here. Professor McGonagall jumped to her feet, pointing at the house. Dumbledore, you can't. I've been watching them all day. You couldn't find two people who were less like us. How could Harry Potter live with them? But isn't there a bigger question? Surely the Son of God cannot live with us. Surely the immortal one, the holy, holy, holy one, the creator, the one whom life is all about, but yet the one whom we rejected. Surely he would not live amongst us. He can't. But that's exactly what he does. He is what we could call the true alien. The one who has come from the outside to live amongst us, but why? The Son of God came to earth so that he could bring you to heaven, that's why. The Son of God has come to earth so that he could bring you to heaven. That's what this text is declaring to us. First off, go back to verse one, who is Jesus? You might be asking, well, is Jesus just a man? We've heard about him a lot in these history books, and you see maybe in the writings of Josephus, the ancient historian, and you know that there was this man named Jesus who existed, and it's hard to deny the fact, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, that he actually walked this earth. There was some man named Jesus who was famous. Who is he? Verse 1 says, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John, who is, by the way, when John in this section is gonna talk about the other John, those are not the same people. When, When John, the writer of this gospel, is talking about John, he's talking about John the Baptist, and I'll get to that in a second. But when John, the apostle, is talking here about the word, He is saying that is Jesus Christ in Greek philosophy the word the concept of the word was the the beginning of all things so no doubt when John was writing this he's no doubt telling his contemporary audience that this is the beginning of the beginning this is someone bigger than merely a man but yet when you read verse 1 something even more relevant comes up doesn't it sound familiar in the beginning where do you hear that from Genesis 1 1 in the beginning God and that is exactly what John is doing here he is wanting you to see that the God who is in the beginning before all time existed who has always existed who has always been life who has never been in need of anything that is the word In the beginning was the Word. The Word meaning that Jesus is not just a man, but He is God Himself. He is the second person of the Trinity. What's amazing about this is that as you read these words in the beginning and you're thinking about Genesis 1-1 and what did God do? It says in the beginning God created. What do you think is about to happen here? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word is about to bring new creation. That's what's happening. It's familiar to the words that maybe you read when the screen is pitch black dark, and you see these blue neon words that come up and say something like, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. It gets you excited what's about to happen. But the Word... He goes back further. He existed before time began. He indeed is the creator of time. When John uses this word was, when he says in the beginning was the word, the word was with God and the word was God, when he uses this word was, it is intentional to state this. The word never had a moment in time when he came into existence. He is not a created being. He is the creator. Arius, the fourth century heretic, um, that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be a fun resume to have, um, he said this, that the word was the highest creature, one of the best creatures has ever been created, but not true God. That is what Jehovah's Witnesses believe today. But the Nicene Creed is responding against this, saying that the Word is God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. It's amazing. He's the Word. You see, what this means is this. Everything that the Word will do is revealing your God in heaven. Jesus who walked and who lived in poverty and who, who raised the dead to life and who played with little children, everything he does is revealing who the Father in heaven is. So when you look at Jesus, don't think that maybe there's a different God in heaven because Jesus is. The second person of the Trinity, God in our flesh, perfectly revealing the Father. Amen? It's amazing. He's also the creator. As Arius said, isn't he the best created being out there? No, John is saying, look, he is the creator. Specifically, verse 3, that everything that was made was made through him. What's amazing about this is this. The Creator became, in a way, a creature. How in the world does that make sense? (laughs) The Creator, who existed before all things, at one point took on flesh and was like that little bitty baby right there that my wife is holding. That is crazy. Creator became a creature. What it means that he is the creator, it means that everything in existence depends upon the word that all of life, wherever you go in this world, as the hymn says, this is my father's world. And we could also say, this is the son's world. Everywhere you go, the incredible food you have, the roar of game days on Saturday, wherever you go, you are in the world that the son created. And that means this, my friends, If you are going to understand this world, if you are going to understand your existence, you cannot understand it if you do not understand Him. If you want to be truly human, you need the Creator. You need the Word. I love what it says in verse 4, look at it again. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it see, Jesus is more than just interesting. He's more than just a fascinating teacher who maybe has some good ethical principles we can borrow and adopt. Jesus, what John is saying, he is life. He is, I don't know, the, the lifeness of life, if you could put it that way. C.S. Lewis once said this, that what we do whenever we do, trade jesus for the world is as if we are trading the vacation at the sea for making mud pies what are the mud pies that you think are amazing but you're trading out on the life of life because that's who he is do you want life get him it's not just that jesus is up in heaven is like do you want life do you want life no jesus is this do you want life I will give you myself and I will bring you to me he is the life you see sometimes we don't want to be known as one of those crazy Christians we want to be the chill Christians because chill is just the best thing in the world now as long as we can just act like everything's fine but if Jesus really is the life then it means that we dedicate our entire life to him he's come amidst the darkness Just as God in Genesis looked into the vastness of nothingness, as it were, and He said, Let there be light. Jesus, there we go, mic's hot. Jesus comes into the darkness of this spiritual world when we had nothing to offer Him, and He shines new light into our hearts. That's who He is. Who is Jesus? Jesus. He is the Son of God who came to earth so that he could bring you to heaven. But what has Jesus done? Well, Look at verse verse 6. There was a man who was sent from God whose name was John, talking about John the Baptist. He came as a witness, to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness about the light. See, maybe you're asking the question this, how how can we trust these writings? How can we trust that Jesus really is who the Bible is saying who he is? Well, here's the thing about the Bible is that it is built on eyewitness testimony. That is not the only argument that matters, but it certainly is an argument that matters. And so it makes the question of this, it's not a question of if these things happen, the question is how will you respond to these things? Matter of fact, one of the very interesting things, I was reading this fascinating book called Moonwalking with Einstein, and he talks about in this book how memory was, uh, was an ethical trait, a very highly valued ethical trait for a very long time until the printing press. So you must think about this, why in the world, or it, it may be a better question, how in the world would a religion flourish if these group of people were known as liars? Because memory and, and, re, and retelling the story, the things that you have seen, was the ethic. And So if it's not true, then totally do away with it. So maybe there's something more true to it than we realize. The eyewitness testimony, we see this in John the Baptist witnessing to who Jesus is is, but certainly it is not merely just the physical eyes that help you see who Jesus is. It takes spiritual eyes to see who Jesus is, because at the end of the day, only God can cause you to be born of God. John was sent from God. He was the messenger to proclaim who Christ is, the forerunner, as it were, and here's what's amazing. Isn't that a sign of God's love for you and me? Merely this moment right here. For you and me, God speaking to us from his word is a definitive declaration that he loves you. It is a definitive declaration that he exists and he wants you to know the son and you must respond. That's what preaching is every single time. It is God saying, I want you to come into my love. You See, what's amazing about this is that Notice that John the Baptist is bearing witness about someone else. He is not saying, here's how you can have a happy and fulfilled life and just have perfect mental health and your life can be all put together. We are very self-obsessed today. But what Christianity calls us to do is not to stare within but to look without and to look at him. Him who is the life. Him who gives us things that are far better than we could ever earn on our own. You see, but this light, look at verse nine, it says He's the true light which gives light to everyone. He's coming into the world, He was in the world, the world was made through Him, yet the world did not know Him. Isn't that crazy? He who is the creator, He comes onto the scene 2,000 years ago, He takes on flesh, He is truly human, and we didn't know him. It's like the show, The Undercover Boss, if you've probably heard many illustrations about this, he is the Undercover Boss, but no one recognized him. See, he is bringing the light of redemption and yet our dark hearts are so darkened that we're blind to seeing who he is. That is why countless people could see Jesus face to face and have conversations with him, and yet they did not believe. Because it takes spiritual sight. We need to ask ourselves the question what is sin? Sin is rejecting Jesus as God, it is rejecting Jesus as King, it is rejecting Jesus as Lord, it is rejecting Jesus as Savior. That the Son of God would come into this world and would invite us into this heavenly life, this communion with Him that would go on for all eternity. That He would save us from our sins, He would save us from the wrath of God. And we look at Him and we say, no, it's cosmic treason, treason of the highest kind. Sin is not a small problem we have, sin is incredibly offensive, and it is what hangs over us. It is what seeps within our hearts, but it is for these sinners that Jesus Christ came to. Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Amen? You see, if Christ came for you when you are at your worst, then whenever you still struggle and battle against sin, he is not going to leave you. He is determined to save you. But is Jesus, is he just a good example? No, right? rather, he changes your life. Look at verse 12. But to all who did receive him who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. You see, Jesus, he's not just a good example that you can follow. He is someone that when you know him, he radically changes your life. What does it mean to receive Jesus? It means to believe. It means to have faith. But there's the question. What is faith? Faith is not merely believing in God. It is believing God. Even the devil believes in God, in the existence of God, James James said, and yet they shudder. What is faith? Maybe the words of Kevin DeYoung can help. It is taking God at his word. It is looking to his word and saying, that's true. It is looking at Jesus Christ and it is saying, he is who he is and he has done what he has done. See, the classic illustration of this is that you are not saved by the strength of your faith. You are saved by the object of your faith. Let's say I stepped on this table for some weird, odd reason. I stepped onto this table, but I was yet very nervous that this table would collapse. But as I step onto the table, the table, if it would, hopefully, it would hold me up, is my faith holding me up no the table is dear christian you might be greatly struggling with unbelief right now maybe you're not even sure if you can make it to next week but your salvation is not secure because of the strength of your faith but it is secure because of the strength of your savior amen he holds you up He's even given you the faith to believe. I love that. I think it was Jason that brought that out. He gives you the very faith to believe. But when he gives us his faith to believe, when we believe him, he makes us children of God. He gives us the legal declaration. That's what it means there when it says he gave them the right to become children of God. He has legally declared you, you are my child you could not be in a closer relationship with God when you come to Jesus Christ that's what it means when you are a son he brings you into his life but he also transforms you and he changes as it were your spiritual DNA that's what he means when he says who were born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor the will of man but of God he begins to change you, but it also means this, is that you cannot become a Christian unless you are born again. It takes a miracle, and as birth, you're not in control of it. But you know why that's amazing? Because if God, by His grace, causes you to be born again, if you cannot earn God's grace, you cannot lose God's grace. Some of you need to be born again today, and maybe you've been hearing this same message for years. Put your faith in Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who causes you to be born again, not your own efforts, not your own strategies. It is the spirit of Christ. Because when we believe in Christ, it radically transforms who we are and it sets us on a different trajectory. See, believing in Jesus is not just believing he is a good example. It is believing that he absolutely radically changes our life. The son of God, what has he done? He came to earth so that he could take you back to heaven. But why is Jesus important? Look at verse 14. It's one of the most fascinating verses in all the Bible to me. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Is Jesus just Superman? You know, sometimes we can hear it said, well, that's different for Jesus. Jesus is different. Uh, That's what we call functional heresy. Don't do that. Jesus is like you and me in every single way, yet without sin. You can never say, well, that's different because it's Jesus, unless you're saying that he is perfect. The moment that Jesus is different from you and me is the moment that he cannot be my savior. He is without a sinful nature, he is without sin, but he is the perfect, true human. And because he is that, he can save you and me. When it says that the word became flesh, we also need to keep in mind this. It should remind us, and it would have reminded the original audience this, that the one who took on flesh would one day sacrifice himself in his own flesh. That is how he saves you. He is the true Passover lamb. He is the one who spills his blood, and he sheds his blood upon the altar of the atonement in the, tabern- in the heavenly tabernacle, as it were. And he takes away God's wrath by taking it on himself. Philippians 2.7 says, He emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. But see, it also, there's another key word here in verse 14 where it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us i wonder if you have a footnote in your bible there by that word dwelt look at that footnote and see if you see what it means what's amazing is that in a lot of the bibles we have and this is a very good footnote when it says that he dwelt among us the greek word here means he literally tabernacled amongst us in the old testament when god would meet with his people he would meet with them in the tabernacle in the temple and now what john is saying do you want to meet with god jesus is the true tabernacle he is the true temple do you want god and to commune with him you get jesus he is the old testament god who has taken on flesh and as i mentioned he is the true alien the outside one who has come to our world because he wanted to be with See, maybe some of you are saying, well, Jesus came for others, but not for me. Satan has you right where he wants you, if you want to think that. Jesus Christ came for the worst of the worst. He came for you, my friend. Believe him. I love what Richard Sibbs says in his book, The Bruised Reed." He says, what mercy may we not expect from so gracious a mediator who took upon our nature on him that he might be gracious. In other words, this. The infinite descent from heaven to earth for him to take on flesh do you think that somehow he would be stingy with his grace my friends you can bring everything you have to him because he not only took on flesh but he died on the cross he took the wrath of God so that the worst of sinners could say please take all this and he says to you I will he tabernacled Amongst us, he wanted to be with us, and he reveals to us the glory of the Father so that when we see Christ, we do not see a different God. We see the same God in all of his glory. See in verses 17, or excuse me, 16 and 17, 18. For from his fullness, we've also received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side, but He, talking about Jesus, the Word, He has made Him known. You see, in the Old Testament, we see God giving to His people, and in the New Testament, we see the same God coming to His people. It is the same God from Genesis 1-1 all the way to the very end in Revelation 22. That is your God. Believe him. He has come to you to save you. He has come to you to live amongst you. He has come to you to bring the worst of the worst to him and to radically transform their life. And it is all of grace, it is all of mercy. And that is for you to hear. It is for me to hear that the Son of God came to earth so that he could bring you to heaven. Professor McGonagall talked about how when Harry was a little boy Voldemort's the basically the bad guy he tried to kill Harry who was just a little baby maybe like Valerie's size but yet when he tried to kill Harry he himself died and Professor McGonagall reflecting on that saying this after all he's done after all the people he's killed he couldn't kill a little boy it's just astounding of all the things to stop him In the beginning of the Bible we see the snake who ruins mankind who tempts Adam and Eve to sin and when Adam takes the fruit mankind is forever cast into the depths of their depravity until there is the snake crusher and one day that snake crusher he came and that is the word and the great evil bad guy Satan himself who is real he could not stop him even though he was a little child in the manger. That is the Savior you can believe. The Savior who would grow up and who would offer himself as a sacrifice and he would kill death, he would kill sin, he would kill Satan, and one day he will forever finish it. Or Let me put it this way. He will forever show that he has already finished it. The Son of God came to earth so that he could bring you to heaven. Believe that and you will be saved. We pray. Our Father, we ask that in your mercy, you would help us to see the glory of Christ and as we see him, that you would bring us out of ourselves. Save us from the false worship of being absorbed with ourselves and show us him who is full of grace and truth. So Father, by your living word and by this power of the Holy Spirit, may the word sink deeply into our hearts, dividing bone and marrow and transform us, maybe even for the first time. Do so, all of your mercy. We ask this in Christ's name, amen.